Last Sunday, Pope Benedict XVI visited the Great Synagogue in Rome, meeting with leaders of Rome's Jewish community and the chief rabbi of Italy. The Holy Father also was the first visitor opening the Jewish Museum of Rome, commemorating the history of the Jews in Rome. This visit, of course, sparked again the whole controversy of the Vatican and the Jews, reminding everyone that Benedict has declared Pius XII a venerable, in effect, beginning the process of his canonization. This has angered a lot of people who are under the belief that Pius XII was, and I quote, Hitler's Pope. Let me explain. Pius XII was Pope during the whole Second World War. His critics say that he turned a blind eye to Hitler's extermination of the Jews. Why? Because he never made any public statements. He never publicly criticized or attacked the Nazis, and he didn't excommunicate Hitler, who apparently was a baptized Catholic. Defenders of Pius XII say that an excommunication would not have done anything and that Pius, had Pius been more vocal, the repercussions against the Jews and Catholics would have been much worse. What I've learned is that, in fact, Pius was very openly against the Holocaust. The daily Vatican radio broadcasts during the whole war were one of the very few in Europe that detailed what was really going on. In 1943, the Vatican sent a memorandum to the United States detailing the extermination of Jews in Poland. This was 1943, and the United States Secretary of State responded by saying that there wasn't sufficient evidence. The real truth is that the Catholic Church and the Vatican, under Pius XII's guidance, saved more Jews than any other organization at the time. There were clear directives to all religious congregations to shelter Jews in their monasteries, convents, and parishes. The Vatican itself was shelter for thousands of Roman Jews. And more baptism certificates were issued to Jews at the time than ever before. Now, you can say that all this is speculation or hearsay, but I take my cue from the many Jewish leaders at the time who thanked Pius XII and the Church for the work that they did during the war. In fact, at the end of the war, Pius XII was hailed as the inspired moral prophet of victory and enjoyed near-universal acclaim for aiding European Jews. Numerous Jewish leaders, including Albert Einstein, Israel's Prime Ministers Golda Meir and Moshe Charest, and Chief Rabbi Isaac Herzog, expressed their public gratitude to Pius XII and praised him as a righteous Gentile. Jewish author Pincus Lapid, in his book Three Popes and the Jews, wrote that Pius XII was instrumental in saving at least 700,000 Jews, but probably as many as 860,000 Jews from certain death at Nazi hands. It's true that many documents are still coming out, so let's pray that the truth about Pius XII is revealed and that the whole world comes to know that his stance that anti-Semitism is not compatible with Christianity has been and always will be the stance of the Catholic Church. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio.
Hello and welcome to this week's Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Christian Matrenko. And Mary Rose Bacani is waiting in the wings, ready to tell us what's happening in dioceses across the country. And, you know, I didn't mention this earlier, but I was talking about Pais XII, mm-hmm. or the Pais XII controversy, and maybe it's worth mentioning, Chris, that we have an excellent documentary. It was mm-hmm. made by Salt and Light Television. It's called The Hand of Peace, Pius XII, and the Holocaust. And uh, you can purchase that at saltandlighttv.org. It's an excellent documentary. And, and Chris, you'll be telling us a little bit about the Holy Father's visit to the synagogue in Rome. Yes, the reviews, as they say, <laughs> are now in. And uh, I'll also be speaking about some Canadian angles to the earthquake in Haiti, including some good news. Okay, good. There so hasn't been a lot of good news, but there's, there's been some good news. Yeah, it's, it's nice to hear good news. So that'll be in a little bit. Uh, and later we'll be talking about miracles. Chris, mm-hmm. um, do you know anyone who's had a miracle? Yes, actually. You do? Well, uh, even it was an official Like a one. healing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was the miracle attributed to Blessed uh, Mary Alphonsine, who was beatified oh, in the Holy Land. Oh, that's right. We yeah, we, we interviewed the, the girl who... Uh, who had the miracle? It had the miracle happen to her. Excellent. Well, you know, um, it's actually more common than you think. I know a few people who've been uh, who've had healings a- as well. And and our feature interview today is with uh, Karen Zizzo. She's she's an author and inspirational uh, speaker. But her son was healed of cancer when he was seven years old. Incredible story. It is an incredible story. So we'll be talking to her in about fifteen minutes. And Chris, I know that you're also a big fan of Father Stan Fortuna. Oh yeah, uh, no, of course, yeah, of I course. Know, I know, I know. So, uh, Father Stan is—he's uh, a Franciscan friar of the Renewal. He's a Catholic priest. He's also a very talented jazz musician. He became quite well known uh, several years ago because of his rap music that he started to try to reach the young people in the South Bronx where he lives and works. Um, he's just published a new book. It's called "You Got to Love." To, f- uh, to follow up of his uh, first two books, You've Got to Pray and You've Got to Believe. Uh, so we'll be talking to him in about 30 minutes. It's very exciting to have Father Stan on Salt and Light Radio. Um, now, Father Stan is a great fan of Pope John Paul II. And uh, so we will start with a song that Father Stan wrote for JP2 after his death from his album Sacrosong 3, the song I'm Loving You. Be 16, be with you. Living extreme like you. We need more like you. I'm loving you. I'm missing you. I'm on mission with you. I wanna do like you. Make me be like you. Be 16 B with you. Living extreme like you. Yo, we need more like you. JP, I'm loving you. In the first days that you was gone, there was a void in my heart, dark like the dawn. There you was, helping me not to be withdrawn. Pushing me to move on with energy, purpose, and determination like you did. With the courage of the heroes of the Polish nation, with no hesitation, you went deep into the greatness of your vocation. Loving you. I'm missing you. I'm on mission with you. I wanna do like you. Make me be like you. Be 16 B with you. Living extreme like you. Yo, we need more like you. JP, I'm loving you. Restoring dignity and beauty to the human race. With embrace and taste the bitter and the sweet in the state of grace. Now you in that better, most blessed place. Help us with your prayers to keep pace with the light shining from the master's face. Making all things new. JP, loving you. I'm missing you. I'm on mission with you. I wanna do like you. Make me be like you. Be 16 B with you. Living extreme like you. Yo, we need more like you. JP, I'm loving you. Pray for us. Order for no Make this my business. 
this Not being afraid when the question rises What is this? But rather ready me, steady me To be deeply in this joyfully Over the long haul with love to the end Taking others with me So that when I'm gone they'll miss me Like I miss you That's what I gotta do, JP Loving you That was I'm Loving You Also known as I'm Missing You By Father Stan Written for John Paul II From his album Sacrosong 3 and we will be speaking with Father Stan a little later on. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org and our blog can be found at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro and here with me now is Mary Rose. She's eager to tell us all about what we should be looking for this coming week. Okay, so I'm looking at uh, youth ministry for all of Canada. Okay. And first we're going to look at Montreal and then Vancouver because Vancouver has some very exciting things on their website. And they have representatives taking part in the uh, the conference, the national conference for CCYMN. Yes. At, at Charlottetown PEI. Okay, tell so us. So first Montreal. Um, they just want to remind you that on, on the 30th of January from 9.30 to 4 o'clock, they have a diocesan gathering for leaders. Um, and these are everybody who's been involved with with young people with the content style and vision of the leadership camp and want to improve uh, more on that. So so the leadership training day will be offered on Saturday, January 30th, 30th as I mentioned, 9.30 to 4 p.m. It's a long day format where participants will have a chance to experience the vision, pedagogy, and the dynamic youth leadership approach in the Montreal um, Diocese. Mm-hmm. So that's for Montreal. Now Vancouver, I chanced upon the, um, the website yeah. uh, for the Archdiocese of Vancouver they have a lot of things happening we need to be aware of what's happening first of all there are the events leading up to the olympics coming up in three weeks right so people may not know this but the archdiocese of vancouver has been very busy with with working with different faiths to to have a way of of doing pastoral work to people participating in the olympics um, as athletes or just volunteering or working for the olympics interesting Um, i was able to talk to patrick gillespie office of evangelization director um, and he talked about uh, how there are five villages there. Um, sorry, two villages. Vancouver's Athletes Village and Whistler's Athletes Village. And the right. village is where the athletes are housed as well as the workforce. Yeah. And so what they did was they have a multi-faith center in each of the villages. And five faiths are represented. Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, and Hindu. Huh. Um, and so they provide services just to, to, to do chaplaincy work for these chaplaincy athletes. Mass um, and there are a lot of services. lots of young people involved. Um, there's uh, a, a group called More Than Gold, an interdenominational, predominantly evangelical Christian group, and they volunteer. Um, they're called to radical hospitality as a Christian community. Right. So there are things like they're putting together, like um, have everybody watch the Olympics together as a faith group. Okay. So it's a lot of these things where they try to put a faith aspect into the Olympics. Interesting. But the really exciting thing that I found um, is that the youth ministry has sent a representative um, to the big conference in Charlottetown, PEI. Yes. Um, and that is the CCYMN conference. Yes, it's this, for is the, this is the conference for youth ministers. Yes. And it's national. So Clayton um, Emu. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the director of the youth ministry for the Archdiocese of Vancouver, is there right now. Um, he's there with 23 diocesan and parochial directors from across Canada. And I was able to speak with him a few days before the conference. And so here's his update. This is our, our third ever biannual conference, so every two years. And we can expect about 150 or so youth ministry leaders from across the country uh, coming together from all provinces and territories to just uh, celebrate and affirm our calling as youth ministry leaders within the Catholic Church. 
Um, so we'll have obviously celebrating certain liturgies, um, social time, but most importantly, uh, workshops and professional development seminars where we can be affirmed and challenged and, and learn a bit more about this ministry that we're doing and just really celebrate our calling while at the same time as uh, learning the practical skill sets um, to better do our ministry in our, in our communities. And what, what can we expect from this conference in the next coming weeks or months for, for Canada as a whole? That's a great question. I, our hope and vision is that uh, anyone coming to this conference will return to their school or their parish or their diocese just inspired and affirmed. And whether that's practically just really ramping up their youth ministry efforts uh, with regards to um, teen involvement or teen leadership or, or coordinator involvement versus just an affirmation that what they are doing is good. And there are certainly struggles throughout the country because of different reasons, but to know that they're, they're doing good work and that uh, somehow nationally we want to be able to support them by avenues like this conference. So really just a, it's just a chance to get together, um, to network, to learn, and to affirm so we can go back to our respective communities and continue on, continuing on, so to speak. So that's Clayton Emu, Director of the Youth Ministry for the Archdiocese of Vancouver. For more information f- about what they do and to find out more of how you can follow up what's going on with youth ministry, check out their website, www.rcav.org. Excellent. Thank you very much, Mary Rose. Uh, Mary Rose Bacani, our Salt and Light Radio Events Specialist. Uh, She'll be back in about 30 minutes. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel and on the Internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and now here with me is Krista Matrenko, and we begin in Rome with the Holy Father. That's right. Uh, Many of our listeners probably already know that Pope Benedict visited the Great Synagogue of Rome this past Sunday. And this is only the second time that a Pope has crossed the Tiber River to go into this primary Jewish place of worship in Rome. And uh, very few uh, Popes have gone to synagogues. Pope Benedict um, has been to a couple. Uh, New York, during his papal visit there, was another example of a Pope going into a synagogue. But this is only the second time going to the one in Rome. And, uh, and it was interesting timing because this is very soon after uh, the, uh, the heroic virtues of Pope Pius XII were, were recognized, yeah. which is a point of contention with the Jewish community. Yeah. And uh, there was an excellent article by, by John Allen, in the National Catholic Reporter, uh, compiling a bunch of the different reactions from major figures to his visit, mm-hmm. um, and uh, these are some of them here. Uh, one of them is from the chief rabbi of Milan, Rabbi Alfonso Arbib, uh, who uh, who praised the speech, saying that the Pope talked about the irreversibility of the divine covenant with the Jewish people. He says that uh, that he affirmed that that covenant still exists, and so he he liked the speech. Now, uh, Rabbi Giuseppe Laras, who is the president of the Assembly of Italian Rabbis, he was more critical, and this was to be expected because he actually boycotted uh, this visit to the synagogue uh, because of what he said was a deterioration in Jewish-Catholic relations under Pope Benedict. He called the Pope's speech largely predictable, and, uh, and he said that, you know, we can't just have a top-down dialogue. It has to make its way down to the base, such as the local parish community, that's where the success of the dialogue should be measured. I mean, a little bit ironic because he himself avoided the dialogue with, with the Pope uh, in that particular uh, circumstance. Um, 
Now, Riccardo Pasifici, who was the president of the Jewish community of Rome, he had some kinder words to say. He said that um, there was a lot of sincerity and truth on all sides. And he said that, you know, some people thought that the Vatican should have waited until after the visit to say anything about Pope, Pope Pius XII. Uh, Pesifici says that, no, it's good that the Vatican said so beforehand. Now everything was on the table. Mm. And, uh, and so it meant that, that, you know, there was no ambiguities. Mm. I mean, people knew what they were dealing with. And the Pope and, uh, uh, and a representative of the synagogue did make veiled remarks to Pius XII. He wasn't mentioned specifically. The Pope did say that the Apostolic See provided assistance, often in a hidden and discreet way. And just to remind our listeners, the, the dispute is over whether Pope Pius XII did enough to, uh, to protect Jews yes. during the Holocaust. And so the Pope is affirming that the Apostolic See, which, which means Pius XII, you know, was working on behalf of the Jewish people. Now, Pasevici, though, uh, said that he wanted any ambiguities about the Lefebris to be cleared up. The Lefebris being the followers of uh, the Society of St. Pius X. Uh, one, of, uh, one of those bishops uh, is, is uh, made statements which, which were considered to be anti-Semitic, yeah. uh, minimizing the extent of the Holocaust. And, uh, and Pesifici said that, you know, these ambiguities need to be cleared up and, you know, uh, how can they be welcomed into the church when they hold a massive reparation? And uh, he was referring to an excommunicated priest who was even expelled from the Society of St. Pius X. Even they expelled him. His name was uh, Father, um, Father Flor Floriano Abra Abrahamowitz. Right. Sorry for, uh, for just massacring his name. And he held a massive reparation on Sunday to protest the Pope going to this synagogue. Interesting. And one last little thing that came out of this, um, this visit uh, to the synagogue, uh, an American rabbi was, was present and, uh, and the very next day had, a, had his own private 20-minute meeting with the Pope. His name is Rabbi Jacob Neusner. And from that private meeting, he was able to, uh, I guess, get the scoop and, and gave it to Catholic News Service that the Pope has finished his second volume on Jesus of Nazareth. Right. And, uh, and the reason why the Pope told this rabbi was because this same rabbi, Jacob Neusner, was quoted heavily in the first volume of very Jesus of Nazareth. Wow, very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, thank you so much, Chris. So Chris will return in a, little in a little later to tell us all about how the church continues coping with the situation in Haiti. You're listening to Saltalite Radio on the Catholic Channel. Sirius 159 and XM 117. Do you ever wonder if God cares? Do you think that God intervenes in people's lives? Or do you sometimes feel that you need encouragement and hope? Well, all these questions are questions that Karen Zizzo addresses in her book, Ask and You Shall Receive, A Miracle for Stephen. This is the story of, her, of, of God's involvement and healing in the life of of her family, and Karen Zizzo joins us now on the phone. Hello, Karen. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, tell us a bit about about your son Stephen's illness. Okay. Well, um, 
I guess I should start out by saying that uh, this happened a number of years ago. Um, it actually occurred in 1987. He was seven years old. He's now a 30-year-old um, medical doctor, but uh-huh. uh, at the time he was seven, and he was given three months to live with um, by the medical community community with something called neuroblastoma, and that's cancer of the lymph system. And it's a terminal thing uh, in young children. Sometimes there's the occasional um, case of a a younger uh, child, even, you know, younger than seven, a baby, or maybe even up to two to three, actually, them being able to survive this. But by the time you get to the age of seven, um, there were no recorded cases of people surviving this. So this was pretty bad news. So so just to clarify, so as soon as you and and your husband's a doctor, as well, let me yeah, just clarify. So yeah. as soon as you heard Which neuroblastoma, you knew that it was pretty much a death sentence. Yeah, and he did too. Um, he basically, you know, said, you know, Karen, she, he's going to be dead in three months, and this is uh, this is devastating. And you can imagine with yes. him too, as a as a family doctor, and not being able to do anything about it uh, when you know this is what he does all day, every day, helping people <laughs> in the medical field, and couldn't do a thing for his own son. Right. Yeah. So. Um, you know, we were just chatting a couple of minutes ago about the whole idea of hope, and that's exactly what happened when we were given this diagnosis. Uh, we were in the hospital, and the doctors came out and said, he's got three months, and we said, are you sure? Can you give us a percentage, you know, that maybe a little bit of hope, uh, that something, it could be a mistake, or it could, you know, be not what you think, or whatever, yeah. and they said, no, this so, is what so, it is. So, so sorry, so, so it, the, the doctors, in I guess, in their... Uh, well, they're trying to be realistic. They're trying to not to give you any false expectations, but yes. I- inadvertently they were, in fact, taking away your hope. Exactly, and, and, that's, and that's exactly what happened. And you can imagine how devastating that is. And yes. it happened so quickly, too. I mean, um, just to sort of give you the, the beginnings of it, um, he had come home playing hockey on a Saturday morning, and my husband took his equipment off and noticed this uh, lump on, on the right side of his neck. And by the end of the weekend, it was the size of an orange. And by Monday, I had him into the family doctor, and they did x-rays and all that and took um, and, and found that there was a large 7-by-7-centimeter um, um, mass in his chest, which is the size of a grapefruit in a young seven-year-old. So you can imagine, yeah. the doctors immediately thought that was primary, the one on the neck was secondary, and they did take a biopsy of the one on the neck, and there were cancer cells uh, under the right. microscope. So this was the diagnosis we got immediately. And so the interesting thing was, um, you know, as you can imagine, you're devastated, and any parent would be, and um I guess because I had been, you know, raised uh, in the church and gone to Catholic schools and so on, uh, immediately I defaulted to, well, what about prayer? Yeah. You know, what about going to God and and the God of the impossible? And, uh, you know, I I mean, basically what I'm saying to people is, you know, um, yes, medicine can help, but sometimes it can't, but it doesn't mean it's over. Yeah, and you know what? It's interesting. I I, I don't want to... uh to uh, sh- shorten the story, but I, I just sort of want to encourage people that if they want to find out more about the story, they should read the book. Because mm-hmm. um, I do want to jump ahead because sure. you can look at the f- situation and think, well, did God really heal him? Or was right. it that is something that could be explained scientifically? Because there were some procedures. I, I don't yeah. remember if there was radiation or chemo, but um, but the tumor disappeared. or, or yeah. uh, 
It did disappear, but, I mean, that was the one on the neck, but the one in the chest was actually surgically removed. Okay. What they did tell us was that it was 99.99% going to be malignant. And after much, much prayer, which, you you know, you would hear all the details in the book, it came out benign. And everybody was shocked, including all the specialists and everybody involved. They just not could couldn't believe they told us we won the lottery is how they right, put it right yeah so and so could, yeah, but it, i deep down inside knew that there'd been like thousands and thousands of people praying i'm not yes. kidding like we got this going like we networked well before the word was popular yes <laughs> and it was amazing because the amount of focused prayer in in you know in intention on my son uh for his healing was unbelievable and also on us because I could feel it I could feel being buoyed up by the prayer because there was so much of it so you you are convinced that the support that you had not just from your family your friends your your priest your parish priest but your parish community and right. all the strangers people yep. that never even you don't even know were praying for you yep. uh, made a huge difference in uh, the healing of Stephen well it what I believe it happened is all of this love and all of this prayer uh, culminated in a miracle for us and yeah. uh, and and when they took that tumor out in the chest um, it, it ended up then it was benign and then they wanted to start chemo that Friday to kind of continue to take care of the one on his neck but right. we kind of halted it right at that point because you know so many things had happened so quickly mm-hmm. that we said let's just wait a little bit but then that started to go down and he never did have chemo even so though they wanted to put him on chemo. three years of chemo exactly which would have so been the whole hard. thing was miraculous and if you yeah. had my husband standing beside me and he said what happened from beginning <laughs> to end he yeah. said you know what Medically, I can't even explain it, and yeah. I would have to say, and I'm a scientist, I would have to say something divine happened here, yeah. because I don't know what happened from beginning to end, because it made no sense to me. Yeah, Karen, just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at, at this time, okay. you're listening to Salt and Light Radio, my name is Pedro, and we're speaking with uh, inspirational speaker and author Karen Zizzo about uh, the experience she had when her son uh, was healed uh, from cancer when he was seven years old. Karen, this experience taught you and your family many things. You you outlined those very nicely in the book, mm-hmm. but uh, but you also felt that they needed to be organized in a different way, maybe even for a different audience. And that's the theme of your second book, "Ask and right. You Shall Receive: Spiritual Strategies for Success in Word." That's a long title <laughs> for <laughs> success in word and li- in work and life. So, yes. can you tell us um, a little bit about these lessons? Uh, don't give us all because we want people to, to look for the book. Oh, um, right. But just an idea uh, as to what, what, how these lessons can be applied in our daily life and work. Okay. Well, as you can imagine, when you go through a life-altering experience like that, there are things that you learn. And I mean, that was one of my prayers. What were we to learn through all of this? And uh, these seven life lessons, then, I realized uh, weren't just for us. They're for everybody. Uh-huh. And... Um, Basically, after I told the story in the first book, I decided that with the second book, I was going to take those spiritual strategies and write about them for everybody, uh, for work and life. And it didn't matter your religion, your background, or whatever. It applies to everyone. But I have the story to tell, which is where it came from, you know, which gave me the credibility to talk about it. And uh, even the title of the book, Ask and You Shall Receive, is giving you a hint in terms of one of the big life lessons about asking and mm-hmm. believing, and then receiving. And, of course, the component there is belief. If you don't believe, you don't get, right? Right. I mean, you, you have to believe. And everything's about asking in life. 
and I think that there's a whole lot of people. And we asked for prayer, you see, and okay. there's a whole lot of people that are afraid to ask, think they're bothering people, don't want to ask, are private, all these sorts of things. So that was mm. the first lesson, and there are many more okay. um, that you know you will find both in the first book and then apply and to then the apply second, the second book. book. Yeah. But no, excellent, Karen. Thank you so much for sharing a little okay. bit of your experience with us. Um, Wonderful. Uh, Karen Zizzo is an author, inspirational speaker. You can get more information about her and her ministry and how to get the books at her website, KarenZizzo.com. Zizzo is Z-I-Z-Z-O, KarenZizzo.com. Thank you so much, Karen, oh, for thank you spending for having this time me. with us. Thank you. Take care. And you can write to us to tell us your opinions on this topic. Tell us about how God has worked in your life. Write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Here now for all our jazz lovers is our featured artist of the week, Father Stan Fortuna, from the new Culture Concert album with his song, You Don't Know What Love Is. Don't know what love is Until you've learned the meaning of the To suffer loss with freedom as good news. You don't know what love is. The mystery of suffering. From the east is from the west. When love takes hold, your heart will never rest. You don't know what love is. But when light shines in your darkest hour, it's then you know you're not alone. To know that you
That was Father Stan Fortuna with You Don't Know What Love Is from his new Culture Concert album featuring Peter Prisco on guitar and Peter Scatteretico on drums and of course Father Stan on vocals and bass and we will be speaking with Father Stan in about five minutes but first here back with us is Chris. Uh, yes Pedro I mean we've all seen in Haiti the that picture of the cathedral yeah and and hopefully you've also seen the the before pictures as well so you can you can see just the terrible destruction and the church really has been been hurt by the earthquake uh, it's been estimated by uh, the Fides news agency that 100 priests and religious have either been killed or who have been disappeared um, depending on the reports either eight or 12 seminarians killed in the earthquake and and of course the Archbishop of Port-au-Prince Serge Mio uh, whose funeral uh, was held today in Port-au-Prince but there have been some good news stories uh, particularly involving Canadians uh, there were two nuns who were uh, with the Sisters of St. Joseph who for uh, for a while had been uncertain about their their fate and they survived uh, Sister Mary Alban Bouchard and Sister Therese Lagrange um, uh, from Quebec uh, sorry the first one from Toronto the latter from Quebec and uh, and sister Mary Ben had been there for um, for 26 years and sister Therese for 46 years in Haiti and uh, sister Therese uh, in an article in the Globe and Mail she said she was watching television when the earthquake knocked plaster and, and a novice right into her lap uh, the building stood, but it's not in great condition, so they're sleeping out in the yard of their, their convent. And uh, they want to stay to be able to help the refugees, but unfortunately, and I imagine this is the case for many people, they simply don't have the supplies or the resources to be able to help many people. Um, Sister, uh, Sister Alben was saying that you know she had built 45 houses during her time there as she was working with the poor and uh, particularly working with poor women to start their own businesses. But uh, those houses were meant to be hurricane-proof, but she thinks that probably all those houses were destroyed. But the two nuns, thankfully, are okay. And the same can be said of Father René Giroux, who is from the Diocese of London. Again, for many days, people didn't know whether he had survived or not, and no one had heard from him. And apparently he had tried to get a hold of people, but it was not possible and so he just turned around and started working. And uh, he had been there for 25 years setting up schools, nutrition programs, and health centers. Uh, he is uh, technically a retired priest, although he's hardly retired hmm. given his activity. He's 77 years old. And uh, right now he's sleeping in the streets with parishioners. Um, he, he still hopes to stay there. Uh, his schools that he has run, uh, four schools, educating 1,200 poor children at a cost of $100,000 a year. And all that money is raised in Windsor and Essex County, the diocese that he's from. And now those same parishioners are collecting donations to support earthquake relief in Haiti. Wow, very interesting. And, and uh, some, some stories of hope mm -hmm. coming from Haiti, although the, 
there's not a lot of a lot of that happening down there but uh, as we uh, continue to keep Haiti in our prayers mm -hmm. thank you for sharing these stories with us Chris thank you Chris Dimitrenko is our Salt and Light Radio News producer Hi, this is Father Tim Devine, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159, XM 117. Father Stanford Tuna is a Catholic priest and a Franciscan friar of the Renewal. He is also a musician and songwriter. And although Father Stan is known internationally for his music as well as for his powerful preaching, he lives in the South Bronx where he serves that community with his fellow Franciscan brothers. And uh, Father Stan has just published a new book, You Got to Love. This is a book that follows two of his other books, You've Got to Pray and You've Got to Believe. And Father Stan joins me now on the phone. Hello, Father Stan. <coughs> Welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Nice to, nice to have you on the program finally. It's been uh, too long. Last yeah, it's been a while. It's, wild. it's good, to, good to talk to you again. Yeah. Good to see you too in Toronto, I think, next week. Yes, last... Uh, I s last time I spoke to you, I was trying to remember because last time I spoke to you, I'm pretty sure that we spoke about you got to pray and you got to believe. Right. So, so before we talk about the new book, why why are those two books important? Why was it important for you to 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 write them and in the format that you wrote them? Well, I mean, I never considered myself an author, you know, and the, and the people from the publishing house that kind of came to me and said, "Hey, we'd like for you to do a book." And it was a funny thing because uh, I had a dream like two weeks before they called me. And uh, I got a title of a book, and I had an outline. I just got up and wrote it down, you know. And so I said to the guys, well, I don't have any manuscripts. And, uh, but I had a, a, an outline and a title, and I sent it to him, and he asked me to give him a sample. And so I started working on it because I just wanted, uh, they wanted something for young people and for everybody, really, that would be uh, something that could be an introductory level into the, just the fullness of uh, the Catholic faith, you know, so uh, okay. that was geared towards young people, but also for everybody. So that, you know, that came out to be a You Got to Believe, which is loaded with uh, citations from the Catechism and Scripture, and it's sending you all this cross-reference stuff, and it's just really good information, and, and that's very accessible to a lot of people yeah. in a way that's intelligible to modern sensibilities, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the way that it's written, the language that you use, uh, like You Got to Believe, the letter U got the number two, believe. Um, right. You believe right, and the, the book reads like I talk. You know, it sounds, sounds like the book comes from New York. <laughs> and the language that young people use. I mean, this is the how they text. Um, uh, and and would you say that you got to pray? Is 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 it a follow up? Is it, uh, it it's meant to go with it? Well, it's, it, I mean, sure. I mean, you know, <laughs> faith and prayer. I mean, of course. It yeah. Is, you know, I mean, how you know the the faith needs to be sustained. You know, like we, you got to eat. You know, and I mean yeah. so. So prayer is, uh, is not only the content of what we pray, but the method of how we pray. You know, how we eat is important in order to get the nourishment, you know. I mean, and uh, so the follow-up to that was uh, you got to pray 100 prayers for daily living in modern culture. Right. And because uh, there's one, com there comes a point when, you know, okay, all the intellectual stuff which is necessary and the, and the, the way that reasons fu reason functions with belief all of a sudden has to just find its spot and sit and then you pray and then the stuff... It goes deep into your heart, and then it just not only just, you know, influences your life, but actually gives shape to your life. So prayer is the power where that happens, you know. Right. Now, you, now okay, so, th so then the third book, You Got to Love, because yeah. I would think that sometimes a lot of people start with love, and that leads them to believe and pray. But you're suggesting 
I don't know. Oh what, no, no, I'm not. Su- I'm not suggesting anything because the back book was first. That it's most okay. important, or one thing leads. God is free to do exactly whatever He wants to do, however He uh, wants yeah. to do it, and okay. when He wants to do it. Okay. So it's just uh, it's just the way that it happened. But at, at the end of the day, you know, there's there's faith, there's hope, there's prayer, and there's love, and the greatest of all these things is love. You know? Yes. So uh, and recently, my own personal life, I've been meditating and memorizing one John chapter three verse fourteen. Hmm. You know, he that loves not abides in death. <laughs> yes. You know, so powerful. you got to believe so that you can pray so that you can love because if you don't love, you're in big trouble. Yeah, you know? powerful. You can believe powerful. all you want, you can pray all you want, but if you're not loving, ninety nine. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. Uh, all these things. If you don't have love, if you don't have love, you're but a clanging symbol. Yeah, and a noisy, um, noisy, pain noisy in the gong. Neck, actually. <laughs> so, so what are your hopes for this book? Again, it's written for young, mainly for young people. But uh, I, well, I, mean, I, I mean, you know, the publisher likes to think that it's targeted for mainly for young people. But I got news for you. This, this especially this one, more than the other two, the adults are loving it. I agree know? with I it because I was looking through it. Uh, and reading bits of it, uh, mm-hmm. um, and and the same, I thought if I was fourteen, I don't know if I'd get half of this. But oh, uh, believe me, let me tell you, the young they people, uh, they 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 get it. Yeah. You know? See, because that's the thing. A lot of people think they got to dumb down to young people, and uh-huh. it's insulting to them. Uh-huh. And it's also insulting to the adults who are doing it, because it makes them look kind of foolish. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To dumb stuff down to young people. I did. And then people sometimes clergy feel like they got to dumb down to the laity. You know, John Paul was never about none of that. No. When John, you read some of the things that John Paul wrote for young people, man, and and, and like. You know, ph- ph- philosophers and theologians sit there and stumble. John Paul gave the young people the best that was uh, that was uh, in his heart, and uh, and him being my my teacher and my model and my hero, uh, I, I'm I'm doing like him. Yeah. So you know, if, if uh, so, that's that's and this book is all about him. Matter of fact, Cardinal Jevich, yes. you know, was good enough to write the the, the forward to it, and uh, yes, and uh, and so like as as goes John Paul. Tries to go me, especially yeah, through yeah. His, the prayers and the intercession of our new venerable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great no, one. that's, no, so that's awesome. great, and what an honor to have Cardinal. So, of course, for people that might not know, Cardinal Jivis was the longtime personal assistant of Pope John Paul II, yeah. and now he's Cardinal in uh, almost forty years. Yeah, amazing. Anyway, a note for anyone joining us at this point: if you don't know what you're listening, the program is Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro, and we're speaking with Father Stan Fortuna about his his newest book. Um, I'm excited just listening to you. Talk. I mean, I have the book, but I'm excited about listening to you talk about it. So I hope our listeners also are excited. Um, now, I, I, I don't want to leave you without talking a little bit about your music. Yeah. Because I don't uh, know if you're working on anything new. I know that there's at least one new song. Yeah, um, I got a whole new CD coming out hopefully in the in the early spring this okay. year. And it's called Seraphic Wanderer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, seraphic wanderer sounds yeah. like Enya. What, what, what's that referred to? Well, seraphic is refers to the fire of the seraphim, which is referred to St. Francis, who's the seraphic father, oh. you know, and as a son of St. Francis. And then the wanderer is one who is a pilgrim, and has a great quotation uh, fr- that's going to be on the very, very opening uh, instrumental track where I read this quotation from John Paul, where he kind of defines what a wanderer is because essentially saying that in this world we have no final resting place and and we and we 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 journey through life as a pilgrim as a wanderer you know until we get to our final destination you know and so and part of the reason for this title was because my computer crashed in the bronx and i wound up recording it here there and everywhere as a real pilgrim on the road well the recording of this album was the way that i try to live my life and essentially the way that everybody lives their life even if you lock down securely with your house and all things that you think you need we still on a journey you know so okay great so looking forward to to, to that one um it, uh, we're going to play uh, one of the songs that it th- th- um everything will be all right that is from this new album that's coming yeah 
And yeah. and that song is based on Psalm 30, 36, right? Yeah, Psalm 36. Yeah, there was a couple of lines from that song that got the chorus going, yeah. Nice. So so looking forward to hear that. So thank you so much, Father Stan. Um, nice to talk to you again. Yeah, great. And, Good and to speak with you, brother. let's not go so long without speaking, brother. Absolutely. Let's pick up the phone. Okay, well... Um, that was Father Stan Fortuna. He was, on ter- in, uh, he was in Toronto today for a book release and signing at Pauline Books and Media. He's promoting his new book, You Got to Love. If you want to know or if you want more information about Father Stan's ministry, about his music, his books, his schedule, go to his website, francescoproductions.com. That's Francesco with a C, Francesco, francescoproductions.com. All the information you need is there. And now here, as promised, is one of his newest songs from the album that's coming out, Seraphic Wanderer, the song based on Psalm 36, Everything Will Be Alright. That's how I got to stick to you. I want to sing to you. Give every dimension of my life to you. Free my limbs for me to swim in the stream of your delight. To plunge into the mystery of your love. Then I know that everything will be all right. I come ready for you to ignite and light. The fire of your love can make me shine. Because what's yours is mine and mine is yours. Let love burn enough for me to die for the cause. Like Jesus walking through closed doors. No more wars. All the laws are summed up in love. Yeah, you be all right. I wanna feast on the riches of your house I wanna swim in the stream of your delight I wanna plunge into the mystery of your love Then I know everything will be alright I wanna feast on the riches of your house I wanna swim in the stream of your delight I wanna plunge into the mystery of your love Everything will be alright. I wanna feast on the riches of your house. Feed on the riches of your house. I wanna swim house. in the stream of your delight. Swim in the stream of your delight. I wanna plunge into the mystery of your love. 
mystery of your love The mystery of your love to then take I know me away Then I know that everything will be alright Then I know that everything will be alright I'm on the riches of your house The riches of your I'm house I'm gonna swim in the stream of your delight Swim in the stream of your delight I wanna come to do the mystery of your love Fill me with the mystery of your love Then I know everything will be alright That was Father Stan with Everything Will Be Alright. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org and our blog can be read at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now here again with us is Mary Rose. Hello there, Pedro. So this week is... Is the week for Christian, Christian unity. unity. Now, um, there are events going on across the country. Um, this is also a world worldwide event. But for Canada, according to the CCCB website, that's the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops website, the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity is celebrated in Catholic parishes across Canada from the 24th to the 31st of January. Um, and here is Karen Hamilton from the Canadian Council of Churches. It's an opportunity for churches uh, to proclaim to the world their unity in Jesus Christ. There is a resource that's entitled You Are Witnesses, which has been available through Novalis, actually, Roman Catholic publisher. And people are using that resource to put on worship services to come together as different Christian denominations all across the country. So as someone coming to a service like this would expect and would find that scripture is read, mm -hmm. as it is in all of our traditions. There would be music, uh, particular hymns uh, would be read, there would be words of welcome, there would be prayers, uh, there would be, um, well, prayers, opening prayers, but there would be prayers of thanksgiving and intercession. Uh, the Nicene Creed, for instance, uh, might be read at one of those services. There would be also an offering, and that's really important. We mm -hmm. as Christians always return to God what we have been given, because we know all that we have comes from God. And so the the offering might go to help support the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity materials that... that um, are worked on by the Canadian Council of Churches, though they come originally from uh, anywhere around the world, uh, and it might go to the offering, might also go to support, for instance, a local food bank in that community. 
So all of those pieces would be together. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, of course, also central like Scripture would be. So again, that was Karen Hamilton from the Canadian Council of Churches. And if you check out the CCCB website, they have um, ideas of how to take part in this week and some documents from the Vatican about how to really appreciate um, the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. Yeah, just to note, CCCB is the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops for those of our listeners that are not in Canada. So that's cccb.org, Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. Now I want to look at three different places that had really great events going on for this for that week. And one is, of course, Toronto. And their event says that for January 24th at 4 p.m. at Timothy Eaton Memorial Church, there'll be an ecumenical prayer service for the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. And Archbishop Thomas Collins of Toronto will be the guest homilist. And there will also be a collection taken up for the Out of the Cold program and they're gratefully accepting any non-perishable food items. So that's for Toronto. Now Winnipeg had a really great festival going on, the Festival of Prayer 2010, which marks their celebration of Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. And that's taking place for them on January 24th to the 31st. And so they're asking all the parishes in the Archdiocese of Winnipeg to take part and publicize the events in their parishes. And the final place that I found, I thought was really interesting as well. Let me just find it now. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay, so the, and also in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, the Newman Theological College is holding a winter term of lectures on the topic of, of ecumenism. Mm -hmm. So for example, from January 14th to April 8th, there will be on Thursday evenings a lecture called Christianity and World Religions. And on Tuesday evenings from January 5th to April 20th, there will be a lecture called Ecumenism. So that's something that the Edmonton Archdiocese is really, is really um, uh, promoting, is really promoting to, to sort of attend these, get to know uh, what ecumenism is and practice that not only on an, ac an, ac an academic level, but on a pastoral level. Good, very exciting. Thank you very much, Mary Rose. And again, a reminder, as we do every week to all of you listening, let us know what's happening in your diocese. Let us know about your events. Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Maros Bacani. Now, on Monday, January 25th, it's the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, and so we will be broadcasting Vespers live from Rome with Pope Benedict. And the Holy Father will be celebrating Vespers from the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls. And that will be live at 11.30 a.m. Eastern and 8.30 a.m. Pacific. Okay, and on Tuesday, we air an all-new In Your Faith I don't think we've ever <laughs> talked about the show on Salt and Light Radio. Yes, this is our catechetical series for high school age kids, and it deals with many questions that they have, looking at church teaching and letting the youth say what they have to say about what the church has to say. I must say that Mary Rose, In Your Faith is one of, one of our better shows, and it's been a great pleasure to work on it. This season, we're looking at all the sacraments, and this week, we look at baptism. Yes, it's one of our better shows because In Your Faith is written, directed, and produced by yours truly, Pedro Guevara Man. Yeah, you On Tuesdays at 8 p.m., so check it out. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, please watch it and tell us what you think. And Mary Rose, yours truly, is also uh, airing a program that she produced. Uh, it, uh, it's a Catholic focus. Uh, it's a bird. It's a plane. Oh, it's God. <laughs> This is a Catholic focus looking at superheroes. Yes, behind the scenes of what does the, I guess, the, the obsession with superheroes tell us about our search for 
a savior. Oh. So we have a, a few great guests. A comic book illustrator for Marvel is going to be part of the uh, one of the guests. Uh-huh. Um, Kale Clark has a website um, on thefaithexplained.com talking about superheroes. So we have we have a few guests from all over Edmonton but as well. So that should be uh, very interesting. That's it's a bird. It's a plane. Oh, it's God on Catholic Focus, hosted by Mary Rose Bacani <laughs> on Thursday. So that's Thursday, January twenty eighth at 7 p.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific. And uh, since you were speaking about Pius XII at the beginning of the show, yeah. I want to let, let everybody know that we'll be airing the documentary on Pius XII and the Holocaust, A Hand of Peace, next Saturday, January 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific. Yeah, it's an excellent documentary that will help you understand, uh, understand the controversy, so I hope that everybody can watch it. And remember, for more details about these programs and other programs, or how to purchase our programs, visit our website, saltandlighttv.org. And also, if you missed any part of this program or you want to listen to any of our other Salt and Light radio programs, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All our shows are archived there. You can podcast them or you can listen to them right there on the site. And remember that our blog can be found at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And your comments, ideas, opinions, and stories can be sent to us via email at radio at saltandlighttv.org. Now, Mary Rose, everyone has been thinking about Haiti and, and how we can help. And so we've set up a special page at saltandlighttv.org slash Haiti uh, for information on how uh, you can send donations uh, in Canada to the official Canadian Catholic Relief Agency Development and Peace. And on that page, actually, we also offer a special prayer for Haiti. So please join us as we pray for our brothers and sisters in Haiti. I'm Mary Rose Bacani. And I'm Pedro Guevara. Man, thanks for being with us. This has been Salt and Light Radio. God of all creation, as we weep with our family in Haiti, console us. In this time of crisis, open our eyes to look beyond the disaster and to see Christ in our brothers and sisters in Haiti as Christ sees us. Be with us as we stand in solidarity with those living and working in Haiti. Be with us in our hour of of mourning and guide our efforts to feed the hungry, shelter the homeless, Comfort the grieving and stand for justice. With your mercy, sustain us at this time as we continue to work together for peace and justice. Amen. Amen.